Experience worship. True worship. Experience the word. Bringing you wholeness. Experience the warmth of fellowship. Experience wholeness at Lighthouse. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday at the Lighthouse. House 7, Plot 2 Stroke 3, Kudratabiola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. Visit our website at www.lighthousenergy.org or contact us at info at lighthousenergy.org. The Lighthouse, lighting your pathway to destiny. the Lord. Glory to God. Let's please be seated. Amen. Well, um, I want to start by saying a very, very, very big thank you to uh, your pastors, Pastor Ayo and Pastor Polake. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much, man. You mean the world to us. Thank you for being such a blessing for being so gracious, so large-hearted. We appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Everywhere I go, I always hear good things about him. I'm going to preach somewhere, and someone was telling me, you know, we got to talking, and the person mentioned, he said, oh, he was now telling me how uh, when they started the work, how he did his best to help them get a solid footing, and that's what I hear about him everywhere. People he knows, people who he doesn't know. So what I'm saying is this, you guys have a good pastor. You guys have a good pastor. You have a good pastor. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for the privilege of uh, being able to share on your pulpit. I don't take it lightly or for granted in any way. Um, let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We'll read a verse of scripture there. We'll take it as our text. The topic we're looking at is God's biblical economy. God's biblical economy. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. The Bible says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that he, through his poverty, might be rich. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you because the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. We approach your word this morning humbly and reverently. We trust that by your spirit, you will unveil, unfold, and reveal the word to our spirits. We won't be hearers of your word alone, but we'll be doers of the same. And as a result, we'll be full recipients of your blessings. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Now, this scripture says, We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. Now, this is not talking about the fact that Jesus was spiritually poor. A spiritually poor person doesn't raise the dead. This is not talking about any other thing other than material and financial prosperity. 
the context of that chapter, 2 Corinthians 8, as well as chapter 9, that context lets us know that God is talking about our needs being met, our wants being supplied. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So God wants our needs to be met. That's his will. But notice it says, not according to our country's economy, but according to his riches in glory. His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You know, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 73 verse 24, the Bible says, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me into glory. So we know the glory world is heaven. Now if he says he will supply all our need according to his riches in glory, what are his riches in glory like? A picture of heaven lets us know that the streets are in gold. That doesn't look like lack. That doesn't sound like deprivation. Yeah, things may be happening, you know, around us in the world, with the world's economy, but thank God we can operate based on another economy. We can operate based on God's economy. Amen. And you see, it is God's will that our needs be met. It is God's will that our wants be supplied. In Psalm 23 verse 1, the Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So God is not only interested in supplying our needs. He's interested in meeting our wants as well. Psalm 34 verse 10. It says that the young lions do lack and suffer need. But those who seek the Lord shall want no good thing. So God doesn't want us to want the good things of life. He wants us to have our needs met. Yes, I'm against materialism. Every Christian should. I'm against money-mindedness. 1 Timothy 6.10 tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. So God doesn't want us to be covetous. The Bible says that covetousness is idolatry. Yes, that's a fact. But you know something? The cure to headache is not cutting off the head. Because some people have gone into one extreme with materialism, with money-mindedness, doesn't mean we should go to the other extreme and glorify poverty. No. I like to ask humorously, who poverty help? Who help? Poverty has never made anybody a better Christian. Somebody said, when that guy had money, he started chasing women. Well, I said he always wanted to chase women. He just didn't have the money to do it. It wasn't the money that made him do it. The money is just an amplifier that brings out whatever you have in your heart. You see, we have a great ambience here that we're worshiping God in. I've had services under the tree in the hot sun. I've had services in a good ambience. I know which one is better. Yeah, I've prayed and I was enduring hardness as a good soldier. And I've also prayed and I was enjoying the goodness of God. Praise God. Yes, we'll learn both how to uh, abound and to abase, no doubt. But listen, it's God's will that we prosper. And let's cut that crap. Let's stop being apologetic about prosperity. You know, I meet people who try to fight prosperity, yet they work for it, some of them seven days a week. And then you're fighting it. Look, God wants us to have money. God wants us to have money. God wants us to have money. Don't say, hey, are you one of them prosperity preachers? 
I'm not a poverty preacher. <laughs> you want to be a poverty preacher, more power to you. I won't join you in that. No, not me. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Well, the Bible is for prosperity. God is for prosperity. Psalm 1, 1 to 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So the Bible... Walking in line with the Bible causes people to prosper. How in God's name will anybody think God wants us poor? That kind of thinking is devilish. It's not from God. It's not from God. It's not from God. It's not from God. God wants us rich. We saw it, our text. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. That we through his poverty might become rich. God wants you rich. You say, really? Yes. Yes, I'm not the one that said it. We saw it in the Bible. God wants us rich. Now, does that mean we'll all be billionaires? Not necessarily. Does that mean we'll all be millionaires? Not necessarily. That's not what rich means. Rich means a full supply. Rich means abundant provision. And yes, some of us will be millionaires. And some of us will be billionaires. But all of us can have our needs met. All of us can have our wants supplied. Now, let me ask you, what's spiritual about you're in church this morning and you're starving? Not because you decided to fast, but because you haven't been able to eat for the last two days. You didn't have money to buy food. What's godly about that? What's godly about your children have been sent away from school because you're owing two-term school fees? What's good about that? Does that make God look good? That makes God look bad. I know women, they like their children, no matter how small that child is, they like their children being well-dressed. They like their children looking good. Even if they cannot buy another dress, they cannot buy another shoe, they just like their children looking good. And when their children look good, and people say, wow, your son is so gorgeously dressed. Your daughter is looking so cute. I just like the way they comport themselves. Those parents smile. Look, that's not far-fetched. That's just like our father. Matthew 7, 11, if ye then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more, how much more, how much more shall your father in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Amen. So God wants us to prosper. God's biblical economy is not one of scarcity. Now, I did economics in secondary school. You know, there are different definitions of economics. Adam Smith, uh, you know. Leonel Robbins or so, you know how to use scarce resources to meet unlimited needs. Yeah, that's the world's economics. God's own is different. His resources are unlimited. He's El Shaddai. He's the God who's more than enough. He's the big-breasted one. Amen. He's a God of abundance. And you see, the same redemptive work that took care of our sin problem. Also took care of the sickness problem. 
Nobody fights 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So our sin nature was laid on him. Why? So that we might become his righteousness. Most Christians don't have trouble with that. And then, we also know First uh, Peter 2.24 Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin shall live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. The same redemptive work that took care of the sin problem also took care of the sickness problem. And that's great. Now, there was a time where all that was spiritual was the new birth. And then we were strong about getting the lost saved. We endeavored to grow up spiritually, to live for God. Because that's what we heard. Then after a while, further light came to the body of Christ about healing being a part of redemption. And then more of us began to take a hold of that. And more of us began to walk in health. And more of us began to get healed supernaturally. And that's great. But listen up. That same redemptive work that took care of the sin problem and took care of the sickness problem also took care of the poverty problem. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor that we through his poverty might become rich. Now when was Jesus poor? Jesus wasn't poor in his earth walk. The man had 12 disciples for God's sake. And those guys weren't working. They were serving with him. I know Peter had a mother-in-law, so he had a wife. The Bible says he that doesn't provide for his own, especially those of his house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. James and John had a father, Zebedee. They had a mother. You know, it was their mother that wanted one of her children to be on the right, the other to be on the left. And they must have provided for their children. They must have provided for their families. Jesus had enough money that he needed one person as his treasurer. And that person was a thief. But that's not the fact that there was some, the person was stealing the money. The disciples didn't know. Amen. He had so much money that even though this dude was stealing the money, their needs were still met. He asked them, he said, when I sent you out, did you lack anything? So they didn't lack. When Jesus was being crucified, Roman soldiers, Rome then ruled the world. It's like America today. Imagine someone in the days of execution at the Bar Beach, like, uh, so imagine some criminals are being executed and American soldiers are there. Let's say it's, it's, a, it's, it's a serious criminal and he's been executed. And then American soldiers are there during the execution and then they start fighting over the person's clothes. A criminal, the clothes, American citizens, American soldiers. Does that paint the picture? And then his clothes were... Those clothes weren't, they weren't rags. Yes, Jesus wasn't ostentatious. Jesus wasn't flamboyant. He wasn't. Are you listening to me? But Jesus was by no means a poor man. Now, when was he then poor? On the cross. On the cross. In the substitutionary sacrifice. When he took our sin nature. When he took our diseases. He also took our poverty. So, prosperity is our redemptive right. Galatians 3, 13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Read Deuteronomy 28. 
From verses 1 to 14, we see the blessings for keeping God's law. From verse 15 to 68, we see the consequences for breaking God's law. Among those consequences, you read there about carrying many seeds, you know, to plant and bringing in little harvest. You see there about your bag having holes. You see poverty there. Poverty is not a blessing, it's a curse. And Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Part of the blessing of Abraham was prosperity. Now, don't misunderstand me. Jesus did not come primarily to make us rich. No. He came primarily to get the lost saved. So that is topmost priority. Material and financial prosperity must not come first. What's most important is that people are born again and they grow up spiritually. That's primary. However, prosperity, material and financial prosperity is part of the fringe benefits. And it's part of the things that are ours in Christ Jesus. Now, if that's the case, that God's biblical economy is that our needs be met, our wants be supplied. The question is, how do I appropriate it? How do I walk in this system that God has? This prosperity that Jesus provided for me through his substitutionary sacrifice, why am I not experiencing it in my life in that kind of degree that I can see in the Bible? Well, a few things we see in God's word, a few principles we see in God's word, that if we'll act on those principles, uh, take those steps and do those things, we'll be able to experience what already belongs to us legally. Now, remember, I started from the fact that prosperity is our redemptive right. If you're just trying to apply principles without understanding who you are in Christ and the fact that this thing is yours by virtue of the fact that you're born again, you're just going to be, you know, it's going to become formulas and principles. But God is more than just a bunch of formulas. He's a person who loves us. So there's the legal side of our prosperity. There's a legal side of our redemption. And prosperity is a part of it. So we must establish that. It is our inheritance. It is your right. Your legal right as a believer in Christ Jesus to prosper. Even if somebody is not born again. The Bible says that his mercies are over all the works of his hands. He causes his son to shine on the just and on the unjust. God wants everybody to be saved. God wants everybody to be healed. God wants everybody to prosper. Now, there are some unbelievers that uh, uh, operate God's principles. And those principles work for them. So, certain things are just laws. You know, if I jump up, I'm going to come down because of gravity. It's not going to discriminate against me whether I'm saved or I'm not saved. It works. Now, for a believer, these principles, we should be able to work them even much better. Now, what are certain things that I see in God's word? And I'm, I don't believe I'm saying anything we don't know. I'm just stirring up our pure minds by way of remembrance because I know this is a Bible-taught church. Well, a few of them. Number one, I'll say this. First thing, live godly. Live godly. We ought to live godly. That's primary. That's more important than anything else. Remember, in 1 Timothy Chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. The Bible says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profited little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. So godliness is profitable. Godliness is profitable. Godliness is profitable. 
If something is profitable, it means it pays off. If you do a business and the amount of money you invested in the business was $5 million, and uh, the sales you made from the $5 million investment was $2 million, I won't call that profitable. That, that's not profitable. That's a loss. The Bible says godliness is profitable. It pays off to serve God. Yes, it's going to pay off when we get to heaven, no doubt. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. We're going to live in, in glory with him. Thank God for our mansions. But notice that verse says, it has promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Yes, if only is in this world that we have hope, we're of all men most miserable, no doubt. Thank God for the world to come. But you see, there's also profit in this life. But you notice it says, exercise thyself unto godliness. If we want to prosper and enjoy the profit of serving God, we need to live godly. We need to live godly. Matthew 6.33, the Bible says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God must come first in our life. The dollar mustn't come first. The pound mustn't come first. The euro mustn't come first. The naira mustn't come first. Making money mustn't come first. God must come first. You know, these days, people are jackpying all over the place. You know? Oh, nothing wrong with greener pastures. Nothing wrong with, you know, nothing wrong with that. But for God's sake, I'd like to ask you a question. Have you prayed about it? Did God tell you to go? You know, a lizard in Nigeria won't be a crocodile in New York. Yeah. And the truth is this. Some of those, nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong. If you get an opportunity to do a master's abroad, have an international degree, I think you should seize it. It'll help you a great deal. However, when it comes to relocating and being based elsewhere, <laughs> my guy, please pray. Some people have relocated and missed destiny eternally. And they will stand before Jesus. And they will say, Jesus, what did you do about my plan for your life? He said, it was Canada, Canada, Canada. I went to Canada. It's Canada that I, it's because of Canada that I didn't fulfill your plan. Yeah. I spoke to your heart. He would tell them, I told you what to do. I told you to stay here and do such and such. He said, it was a dollar. It was a dollar. And having to, you know, how we live now will affect our eternal rewards. And some people will be saying they will fulfill the plan of God for their life. You'll be bragging about, I went to UK. Now, if UK is God's plan for your life, please go there. I believe there are people God wants to go out. I believe it's adding to the furtherance of the gospel. But I also believe there are many people that went, that weren't sent. Pray about it. You know, some don't even think you should pray. They're just led by their head. Just led by circumstances. Don't be led by circumstances. Let's put God first. Don't put making money first. Put God first. Put serving God first. Put obeying God first. Put the things of God first. You know, sometimes, some people, when it comes to taking on a new job or relocating to a new place, they don't ask, what effect will this have on my spiritual life? Some have backslidden because of a new job. Some, their families have been destroyed because they wanted to make more money. That's not how to prosper. There's <laughs> prosperity God's way. The blessing of the Lord 
it maketh rich and it added no sorrow thereto. So God wants us rich. But first, we must live godly. We must live right. Job 36, 11, If they will obey and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Isaiah 1, 19, If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. So we have to be willing. Willing to eat the good of the land, yes. But willing to obey God too. Amen. Willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. You know, in Hebrews eleven twenty four to 26, the Bible says, By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Look, we must esteem earthly things lightly. You know, love of money is the root of all evil, not money. The love of it. I've met many poor people that love money. I've seen some rich people that love money too. But I know some rich people who don't love money. God wants us to have money. Just doesn't want money to have us. You know? Yeah. Someone scratch your car and you must remove shirt and fight there. And you forget that you're a Christian. Okay. The house help burns your shirt and you must slap her. Shit. Is a shirt now. Yeah, she shouldn't have or he shouldn't have, but it's what it is. We must esteem things lightly. You know, don't let's come out why moya. Don't let's make those things. They're not a big deal. Gold, the streets in heaven, gold, so that we will step on gold. We will walk on it. We will have dominion on it. So let's start practicing that dominion. And put those things under our feet. So live godly. Live godly. Live for God. Live right. You know, there are people that do 419, but they give generously to church. They are philanthropists, but they are crooked business people. And they say, yes, if you give, God will bless you back. You know, Jesus in Matthew 23, 23, said the title means anise and cumin. But the weightier matters of the Lord, mercy, justice, and faith, they've left said this they ought to have done and not have left the other also. Yes, God is interested in our money, but he's more interested in our heart. Are you listening to me? Living right, living for God, serving God, putting the things of God first. Amen. Being committed in the local church, being committed to the things of God. Live godly. First thing. Well, secondly, I'll say, is that if we're going to prosper and God wants us to, we must learn to exercise our authority. We must learn to exercise our authority in the area of finances. We must learn to exercise our authority in the area of finances. Let me tell you free of charge. There's an intelligence out there that wants you broke. You know, sometimes we'll talk about some natural principles. And there are good natural principles that will just help us financially that we should all learn. I'll get into talk, talking about if, some of those things in a bit. But you wonder why when that unbeliever did it, it worked. When that other unbeliever did it, it worked. When you did it, the money was hanging. There's an intelligence that wants you broke. There's a devil out there. He's the God of this world. He doesn't want money to come to believers. He knows that with money in our hands, we are going to give towards the work of God. And then the lost will be saved. God's purpose of prosperity 
is world evangelization and Christian discipleship. That's it. That's why he wants us to have money. So as to reach the lost. So the devil doesn't want money in our hands. He also doesn't want us looking good so that God doesn't look good. He wants God to look bad. That's the devil for you. Are you listening to me? So we must learn to exercise our authority in the area of finances. This is what I tell people. You see, whatever you need or want, claim it in the name of Jesus. Claim it. Claim it. We know that the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Psalm 24 verse 1. We know the cattle on a thousand hills belong to God. You know, Psalm 50 verse 10. The gold and the silver belong to him. We know that. We know that. Uh, God created all the wealth. Listen, there is enough wealth on planet earth to go around everybody. That's a fact. God did not put all this wealth on the earth for the devil and his children. Look, to pray to God to give you money really may not be the most intelligent way to pray about money. Because the money you need is not in heaven. It's here on earth. But the devil is the one trying to keep it from coming to us. That's a fact. So what do you do? Use your authority. Take the name of Jesus and claim what you need. Then tell the devil to take his hands off of it. And then say this. Go ministering spirits and cause the money to come. Hebrews 1.14 says angels are ministering spirits. Sent forth to minister for them who shall be the heads of salvation. Notice it doesn't say minister to. It says minister for. So you can claim what you need. Tell the devil to take his hands off of it. And tell the angels to go and cause it to come. See in John 14 verses 13 and 14. Jesus said, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name. That will I do that the father may be glorified in the son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now the word ask there is the word aitio. It means demand. It, that portion of scripture, John 14, 13 and 14, really isn't talking about prayer. It's talking about demanding our rights in the name of Jesus. Prosperity is part of those rights. Now, when you start doing this, you know, one thing about faith is that it grows. Don't start by believing God for 100 million. You know, the principle of faith is first the blade, then the air, then the full corn in the air. Start from where you are at. 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, uh, 200,000. Start from where you are at. Claim what you need in the name of Jesus. Tell the devil to take his hands off of it and say, go ministering spirits and cause the money to come. Now, once you have done that, don't do it a second time. I don't mean concerning another need. If you have another need, do the same thing. If you have another want, do the same thing. But concerning something, once you claimed it in the name of Jesus, that's it, it's done. Once you've told the devil to leave it, then he heard you. Don't go on. But let's say by the next one, the money hasn't come. You know, say, devil, is it not you I'm talking to? I say, leave it now. I leave it, leave it. Then we know who is really in charge. It's the devil. You don't know your authority. We have authority over him. Once you've broken his power, he heard you. You see, where the word of a king is, there's power. Ecclesiastes 8.4. Once you've given the command of faith, that's it. It's done. It may not look like it, but it's done. Amen. So don't go back and do it again. You've claimed it. So it's done, right? It's done. So just stay in faith about it and expect the money. Anytime you remember, just tell yourself the money will come. 
the money will come. The money will come. Oh, I can tell you story after story after story after story of times when I've acted on this and it's worked every single time. Every single time. Every single time. Amen. But like I said, don't start believing God for finances by... You don't climb a ladder by starting on the top wrong. If you try, you will hit your head on the floor. You start from the first step. Then you take the next one. Then you take the next one. Then your faith grows. So that's the second thing. Third thing I'll say is this. Remember we said, number one, live a godly life. Number two, exercise your authority in the area of finances. Number three, speak faith-filled words about your finances. Speak faith-filled words about your finances. You see, it's a biblical principle. Mark eleven twenty-three. 23. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. It's a Bible law that our words dominate us. Our words dominate us. Let me tell you something. If you talk about the lack of finances, it will stop the money from coming in. If you talk lack, you'll have an abundance of it. There are some statements I don't make. Things like, you know, uh, so your child asks you, for it, say, you know, we can't afford this. Don't say that. You could say, well, um, we won't be able to get this now, but if you give, just give it some time, we'll get it. You know, we are so used to talking lack. Ah, you know, people are talking, hey, this well subsidy remover, things uh, tight, you say, hey, very, very tight. In fact, you know, I used to fill my tank this amount. It's not this one. What will somebody do now? Will I not pack my car in the house? Will I not start walking? Will I not, hey, hey, nobody is surviving. You know, some people think that they are, they are being woke, talking like that. They don't know that they are, they are, they are being broke. And they are breaking themselves some more. So that they can stay perpetually broke. Don't talk lack. He shall have whatsoever he saith. You know, there's this statement. I know it's not totally correct. That no matter the economy of the jungle, the lion will not eat grass. Lions actually sometimes eat grass. I know that. But the, the spirit of it is that no matter what, the lion is lion. If he eat anything up, he wants to eat up. No matter the economy, no matter what fuel or whatever anything costs, you are God's child. You run by a different economy. Their fear is not our fear. Their dread is not our dread. When they say there's a casting down, we say there's a lifting up. Look, <laughs> more money has come into my hands in the last three years than ever in my life. Yes, you know why? Because of what I say. Because of what I say. I don't talk lack. You will never hear me some words will never escape my mouth because he shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So I've learned to talk abundance. I've learned to talk provision. I've learned to talk prosperity. I talk like I have all the money I need. And sometimes when I'm saying that, I may be faced with a, a need that is staring me in the face. But you see, I've learned that faith calls the things that be not as though they were. And it causes them to become. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Get aggressive about speaking God's word about your finances. Get some scriptures about financial provision and declare them constantly, constantly, constantly. Yes, there's a place of during conversation 
and you're talking, and someone says, oh, hard things. Say, ah, God is helping us. So, ah, we're, we're, we're making progress. Talk like that. But other than just during conversation, have deliberate times where you speak the word of God about your finances. You know, we learn to apply our faith concerning healing. And then, yes, more of us are working in health. More of us are working in divine healing. We must do the same thing about prosperity. Be deliberate. Be intentional. You know, the same way we found healing scriptures. How we began to meditate on them. And then, God's word began to build healing and health into our bodies. Proverbs 4.22, my words are life unto those that find them health to all their flesh. And that word is mapi, which means medicine to all their flesh. Yes, we need to do the same thing about prosperity. We must do the same thing about prosperity. Find scriptures in the Bible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How many books on prosperity do you read? How much of God's word about prosperity do you know? Let's study along these lines and build God's word into our spirits and constantly declare it deliberately concerning your business, concerning uh, the work of your hands. Speak the word of God. Speak the word of God. Speak the word of God. Now, many of us give, right? But we don't use our faith where our giving is concerned. Don't just let the offering basket pass and you just put the money there. Let me tell you something. Every time the offering is going, every time I do an offering, I speak the word of God. I give, so it's given to me. Good measure, pressed down, checking together, running over, men giving on my bosom. The same measure I meet out is measured back to me again. I sow bountifully, therefore I reap bountifully. I do that all the time. You know, every time I give an offering, it's a good time to say it again. And then I give another offering, I say it again. Then I do something, I say it again. Then sometimes when I'm not even giving an offering and I'm just speaking God's word about my finances, I say it again. Amen. Speak faith-filled words about your finances. Speak faith-filled words about your finances. It's morning. You're going to your business. As you're driving to work, start saying, I'm compassionate with favor as a shield. Start saying that if nobody sells, I will sell. If nobody gets, makes profit, I will make profit because I'm the seed of Abraham. The blessing is on me. I carry the blessing. Speak that to yourself constantly, 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 constantly. He shall have whatever he saith. Now, I'll also say this. You know, when Jesus cursed that fig tree, we probably didn't notice any difference in the tree until the next day. When you first start speaking God's word about your finances, sometimes what you are saying is affecting you more than it's affecting your finances. Many times we're not yet fully persuaded of what we are saying. So, the words we are speaking, rather than affecting the mountain, they're affecting us more by building our faith. But listen, keep at it. He shall have whatever he saith, whatsoever he says. Gloria Copeland said, the Lord told her, inconsistency lies the power. Don't be double-tongued. Don't talk abundance today, lack tomorrow. And then the week after, you say nothing. No, be consistent about speaking faith-filled words about your prosperity. Now, so don't forget, our text 2 Corinthians 8, 9. We mentioned the fact that prosperity is God's will for us. It is part of our redemptive rights. So, we are now looking at how do I appropriate it? How do I access this prosperity? And we said, number one, live a godly life. We said, number two, exercise your authority in the area of finances. Number three, speak faith-filled words about your prosperity. Number four, tithe faithfully. Tithe faithfully. Let's say this together. 
Tell your neighbor, tithe faithfully. Look at another neighbor. Say, tithe faithfully. Turn to yourself and say, Mr. Man, oh boy, tithe faithfully. We need to tithe faithfully. We need to tithe faithfully. Hebrews 6.12, the Bible says, we should not be slothful, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. After saying that, then the Bible went ahead to tell us one of such people that we can follow. Abraham. In fact, Romans 4.12 says we are to follow in the steps of Abraham's faith. So Abraham is a good man to follow. Amen. The Bible tells us to follow him. Now, the context of Hebrews 6.12, when he went, uh, said that, he now goes ahead in the same context and goes into chapter 7. And then he begins to talk about how Israel tithed to Levi. And he did a compare and contrast with Abraham tithing to Melchizedek. You know, there's a lot of splitting hairs over tithing. No, tithing is in the law. I'm not under the law. I'm not under the law. I won't tithe. I won't tithe. I won't tithe. You know, tithing is the problem. 2.9% of Christians in America tithe. So tithing is not their problem. They don't tithe. So someone says, is this tithing? Thing? No, they are not. It's not tithing that is the problem. It's not the tithing that they are doing. Those who are doing it. Because most of them aren't doing it. So when people are fighting tithing, it doesn't make sense. You know, some of these people who say, no, all this tithing is legalistic. God owns everything you have. Ask them, okay, so what are you giving? Some of them are just, are just stingy. It's stingy. It's a stingy devil that is bothering them. Look, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, hmm? a tenth of the spoils, 430 years before the law. Jacob, we really don't have evidence that Jacob tithed. We are not sure, but it is implied. Jacob vowed 250 years before the law. He told God, he said, if you bring me back safely, I will give you a tenth of everything you give to me. And we can assume he kept that vow. So, we see tithing before the law came. Now, one thing we also notice about Abraham is that there was no place where God actually told him to tithe. Did you notice that? We don't see it, at least, that is written in the Bible. Abraham just knew that it's a matter of honor to give God the tenth. Are you listening? It's a matter of honor. It's a matter of honor. Yes, when the law now came, Tithing became regulated under the law. Yes, we're not under the law today. Now, one thing we also know is that the principle of proportionate giving is in the epistles. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. You know, at the first day of the week, when you gather together, as God has prospered everyone, they should give. So there's proportionate giving based on how God has prospered you. Now, in the Acts of the Apostles, we don't have evidence, clear evidence that they tithed, but it can be implied because they came from a Jewish background. They probably did. Yeah, Jesus endorsed tithing, Matthew 23, 23. But you can say that technically, Jesus ministered as a prophet under the Old Covenant, and you'll be correct. But my point is this. We know a clear principle in the Bible. The Old Testament says, thou shalt not kill. The New Testament says, Whoso hated his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. The Old Testament says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. 
The New Testament says, Whoso looketh at a woman to lust after her has committed adultery without already in his heart. The Old Testament says, Love your neighbors. Don't seek the good of Amalek. Don't seek the good of certain people. The New Testament says, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. It's clear that the standard of grace is always higher than the standard of the law. So you don't have to... I, I can go into the theology, the types of tithes. Eh? I studied it. There is the one that they used to eat. And some people will peel that one and say, No, it's your tithe. Use your tithe to give to the poor. There were different kinds of tithe in the law. And I can go into all that. But without going into too much theology, eh? we're under grace. If they did 10% under the law, we shouldn't do 1% under grace. And we shouldn't do 8% under grace. We should at least do the 10%. Are you listening to me? Besides, giving to the local church so that its doors can stay open, so that the saints can continue to be taught God's word, so that the lost can continue to be reached. Is that wrong? Look, even if there wasn't anything that said tight, if we all just agreed, you know what? Let's all be putting 10% of our income to God's work. Would that be a bad idea? What did Joseph say when there was farming that was coming? He said 20%. This is 10% we are talking about. Are you listening? Yeah. And is there a blessing for tithing? There is. Do you know the only time God said we should prove him? Only time. Read the whole Bible. There was no time God said, test me. Except this one time concerning the tithe. Yes, he said it under the law. He did. But if you do work for them, how much more will he work for us under grace? God said, prove me now herewith and see if I will not open to you a blessing that you will not have enough room to receive. He said, I will open the windows of heaven. Remember when he opened the windows of heaven during Noah's time? He said, I will pour you out a blessing that you will not have enough room to receive. He said, your vine will not cast its fruit before the time in the field. He said, you'll be called of all nations blessed. He said, I will make you a delightsome land. You know, I met people who said they can't afford to tithe. I looked at them and said, you can't afford not to. Once we see that tithing is taking money from us, we won't tithe. <laughs> tithing won't take money from you if you put money in your hands. If you put money in your hands. You can't be about souls getting saved, about saints being edified and go under for it. Amen. Besides, hmm, the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. So you'll be blessed for giving. So what if we all decide that we want to be faithful about this 10%? Do you know what? Do you know that if every member of this church actually tithed faithfully, we'll almost never need to take special offerings. Yeah. You can't tell me you love God and it doesn't show in your pocketbook. And if you are doing anything less than 10%, are stingy. That's it. Someone says, no, we should give all. We should give all. Shut up. Bible says, he that doesn't provide for his own, especially those of his house, he has denied the faith. He's worse than an infidel. We should pay your bills. We should pay your house rent. You should pay your children's school fees. You have other responsibilities you should pay. You should renew your, your, your driver's license. There are things you need to do. So, God that knows we have other obligations, just to reason, okay, how do we start measuring generosity? Then he said, let's put a ten, the first tenth. 
And you see, it's a matter of honor. Are you listening? It's a matter of honor. It's a matter of honor. God said, if I'm your father, he said, where is, where is my fear? If I'm your master, where's my honor? It's a matter of honor. It's saying, God, you come first in my life. Where does the tithe belong? It belongs to the local church. I'll tell you a few tips. Hmm? Sometimes, because there are many bills that come in. There are many things that come in. If you're not careful, you will eat that tithe. So how about if, as that money comes in, once the money comes in, you take the, the first tenth and you do a wire transfer before you can spend it, before you can start thinking about the bills you have to pay. Do the tenth immediately on your app if you have, and most of us do these days. Have the church tight account details. This church, if this is your church, this is where your tithe belongs. Don't send your tithe to a TV preacher. Don't send your tithe to Rema. Don't send your tithe to one ministry that is blessing you. You know, I hear things all the time, all the time. People will say, yeah, this ministry, they have blessed me, they have blessed me. So I've asked them, if you want to get married, will they come and join you? If you want to bury your father, will they come and join you? If you need counsel, will they come and join you? No, it's the local church. The tithe belongs to the local church. Eh, someone asked me one time, he said, eh, there's this ministry that is blessing me. There's also my church. What if I divide my tithe? Eh, eh. What the tithe is used for is none of your business. It belongs to the local church. Hopefully, you are going to a good local church. And this is a good local church. I'm saying that for the sake of anybody who may hear this message online or wherever. You know, this is a good local church. Tithe faithfully. And truly tithe. Truly tithe. Don't take the tithe and say, eh, I will give to the poor. I will give to this one. I will give to... No, 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 no. It's not tithing you did. You just gave offerings. And yes, you should give offerings. But the tithe, that first tenth... It belongs to God. Listen, I'm just telling you because it is the truth. Hmm? I'm not telling you, I'm not saying you should give to me. I'm saying you should give to your local church. And I'm telling you, uh, I'm telling you, I want you to do it and be faithful about it. Don't tithe and you just do it once and say, hey, you say we should tithe. Look, uh, my car even knocked after I started tithing. If I was tithing, everything was fine. He said, we should tithe. Come and see them. Come and see them. Look, I'm not the one that said so. It's God that said so. His word can be trusted. Tithe faithfully. Be consistent about it. Faithfully. Faithfully. Now, I know there are people who are legalistic and who are wicked. And some of them are tithers. I know. And I know there are people who don't believe in tithing, but are good-hearted. I know that. But I'm saying, let's be good-hearted and let's tithe. Praise God. That tenth to your local church. To your local church. You know, you hear some of these people that say they don't believe in tithing, but they believe in coming to church and sitting on the chairs that people who believe in tithing. But they say they don't believe in tithing. They believe in coming and being under a good ambience and a, a good mic is working. There are people who believe in tithing. Their money is bought. My guy, stop being stupid. Just repent. 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 Repent of that stupidity. And reset. Have a brain reset. Renew your mind on it. Now, the thing about tithing is this. Many people tithe, but they don't mix any faith with it. You see, there's the tithe, which is the money. There's tithing, 
which is an act of honor and of worship and of devotion and it's done in faith. Before you come to church, hmm? before you come to church, take that tithe out. Let's say you are giving it in church. Right? Take it out. Hmm? If it's physical cash. And then say, God, this is my tithe. It's not just a tenth. It's the first tenth. If I have notes, I pick the best notes out of them. Income comes. The first tenth. The first thing I want to do. Before I... Sometimes some money comes to me. I need to pay for something. Before I do it, I say, no, let me remove the tithe. It's a matter of honor. It's the fact that I put God first. Amen. Yeah. When you are tithing, say, Father, this is my first tenth. You are the one that gave me the strength to walk, the wisdom to walk, and that the one that brought me this income. I honor you with it. You said I should prove you concerning this. Open your Bible to his word, Malachi 3. Claim those things that his word said. Verse 8 to 10. Claim those blessings. Claim those provisions. In verse 11, verse 12. Claim them. And say, thank you, Father, for it. And then tithe. And then keep doing that. I will tell you something. Hmm? You will see a difference. You will notice that the children don't fall sick as often as before. The car will stop breaking down like before. Some raises will come. Opportunities will come. Different things will come. Amen. So tithe faithfully. Tithe faithfully. Well, number five. Give generously. Give generously. And when I'm talking about giving, I'm not talking about just one area of giving. I mean giving all around. Give generously. Giving should start in the home. Are you listening? Your husband is good ground. You can give to him. Your wife is good ground. You can give to her. Your children, they are good ground. You should give to them. Amen. You have a cousin who is looking for jam form. You know, there's some people, they can give in places where it will be announced, where people will notice them, but they won't give where it is important. Give all around, in every area, in every place. Just have a generous spirit to you. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The Bible says, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Every man according as he proposes in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. Just be a generous giver. Let there be a spirit of giving to you. Give to the poor and the needy. Give to those. Now, there are some people who are con artists. Hmm? There are some people who will try to manipulate you into giving to them. Yeah, there's some particular fellow passing for this. I kept giving, 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 giving. Then one day, I just thought to myself, I said, I'm not helping this guy. I'm becoming his El Shaddai. I'm not teaching him to look to God. He looks to me now. If something ever happens, let's say he can't reach me, he loses my number, he's finished. And I help finish him. Don't try to play God in anybody's life. Yes, be generous. Now, if there's an opportunity, if you see your brother have need, don't shut your balls of compassion. Right? I don't even pray whether I should give. It's like, God, if you don't want me to, you better tell me because I am going to. So, that's my default. I don't, my default is not, hey, God, should I give? No. If I'm able to be a blessing, I'll be a blessing. To the degree that I can be a blessing. 
Do you understand? Many times we don't know the greatest giver. You know, in this church, we don't know the greatest giver. The greatest givers, somebody can be a billionaire who may give one million and we may say, wow, this person gave so much. Another person gave 10,000. It was all the money they had. That person gave 1,000 times more than the billionaire. Do you understand? So it's about our heart. But just have a generous spirit to you. A generous spirit on all sides. Honor your parents. I'll tell you something. The reason some people are not prospering is because they don't take care of their parents. Honoring them includes giving to them. Take care of your wife. First Peter 3, 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto her as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. If we'll just take better care of our wives, I'll tell you something, our finances will improve. I'm telling you. Honoring includes material things. Amen. Let's be responsible towards our children. I know a man. The man said he believes that one of the reasons God prospers him, he was a sinner much of this time. He said it's because he, will, he told God, he said, God, these children you gave me, I will do the best I can to take care of them. I'll rather go hungry than see them hungry. I'll put them before my own needs. And I noticed, God kept providing for the man. The man said he knew provision will come. And he kept coming. I noticed that. Amen. So when I'm talking about giving, I'm talking about giving all around. And that will include church. And let me tell you another thing while I'm here. Hmm? You see, the Bible says that thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. It says the laborer is worthy of his hire. Now, when God said that, he was talking about the office of the pastor. The elders that rule well are worthy of double honor. He was talking about the office of the pastor, particularly your pastor. Let me tell you one thing I know. I don't know any church that is stingy to their pastor that they prosper. And I've been checking this for years. I don't know any church that is stingy. Now, I'm talking about Usually, it's not the church members that set the salaries, the board. Sometimes, some church members are part of the board. If there's a situation like this, please make sure, you know, some people's prayer is, God, you keep the pastor humble, we'll keep him poor. That's an evil prayer. That came from the pits of hell. But apart from seeing to it that the pastors are well remunerated, hmm? see to it personally. You know, there's, what about if you just take a bag of rice to your pastor? Pastor. I just brought this for you. How about saying that, Pastor, you will never need to buy credit on your phone. And you keep loading credit on your pastor's phone. You know, Jesus won't be angry. Do you know that? You know, how about just say, Pastor, you need to go to Dubai. Oh. Just go with your sweetheart. Just go and relax. Just spend one week. All expenses paid. Now, I'm not saying go and borrow money because you want to. But I'm saying... If you're in a position to do some of those things, <laughs> God said he will honor those that honor him. One of the ways we honor God is by honoring the things he honors. And one of them is the office of the pastor. Honor your pastor. Take good care of your pastor. It's a secret to increase. So remember number one, we said live a godly life. Number two, exercise your authority in area of finances. Number three, speak, speak faith-filled words about your prosperity. Number four, tithe faithfully. Number five, give generously. Number six, as I begin to wrap up, 
walk diligently. Walk diligently. In 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 8 to 12, you know, the Bible says there that he that does not walk should not eat. I saw this thing. I, saw, I showed it to somebody. I saw it on a painting recently. No food for lazy man. You know, it's in downfall, some downfall buses have it. That's, that's, that's gospel truth. Amen. Be diligent. The reason some people aren't prospering is laziness. 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 Some people are a pack of lazy bones. So what if I don't have a job? It's something you can do. 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 There's one guy. He always used to come and be begging and begging. One day I called him. I said, what if you come to this office and you just come and you wash cars? If it's 1,000, I will have paid for somebody who washed it out. I'll give you two or even three. I mean, even give you five. You just wash cars. Eh? You know, you come and you're always begging for money. Did you ever come to my house one Saturday and say, sir, I just want to help you with your laundry? You know, some of these people who are just lazy. Eh, I can help you do some ironing. I can help you do this. You, you see, eh? <laughs> people say there's no work. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. I haven't seen anybody yet whoever went somewhere and said, you know what? I just want to volunteer. Don't pay me anything. I just want to help. And then, okay, I've never seen anybody yet that stopped people from helping them. Okay, you came. Staff resume 8. You, you are there 7.45. Staff close at 4. You, you are there till 5 o'clock. Staff, some of them, they while away their time. Wasting, this thing, doing, they don't deliver. You, you do the work or four of them. After some time, <laughs> who's not looking for how to move the organization forward? They will say, this guy is an asset. We need him. And even if you don't get him, you may say, ah, this guy, I just love your heart. So and so, you know, uh, you, they will recommend you. But some people are just lazy, lazy, lazy. You see, God said he will bless the work of our hands. The blessing is on us. If you don't put your hand on anything, God has nothing to walk through. Give God something to work with. You say, okay, I'm an employee. Great. As you're an employee serving somewhere, do it with all your heart. Let me tell you something. Excellence still pays. You say, but the salary they pay me is bad. God knows. Still go beyond the call of duty. And put in excellence. In Colossians 3, 22 to 24, the Bible says, We should walk heartily as unto the Lord and not man, knowing that of the Lord we shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for we serve the Lord Christ. Uh, there was one job one time I took. We were negotiating salary. So the person said, So how much should you be paid? One of the things I told this person, I said, First, I'll tell you something. No matter how much you pay me, I will give you service that is beyond it. If you pay me small, I'll give you service that is more than small. If you pay me big, I'll give you service that will be more than that big. Whatever you do, I will, I will outdo you in how we serve you. You know, everybody wants, by the time you are putting more into the organization that you are getting from it, the organization, you've made them your slave. They will keep you. They will do anything to keep you because you're an asset. But if you're a liability, they will want to get rid of you. Because they're not adding to them as such. 
Decide that wherever you walk, you'll be an asset. You'll do your work diligently. You know, some people, they'll say that, hey, this unbeliever, this unbeliever, he, he, he's persecuting me. You never do your work well. It's not persecution. It's laziness. Excellent work ethic. Anything you are given to do, go beyond the call of duty. You know, if you have bosses, find out what they want. Find out how they want their work done. Your boss, send your boss hamper for Christmas. I'm telling you something. Your boss's birthday. Know your boss's birthday. Give your boss present. It's just good wisdom. Eh? Greet your boss. Don't argue with your boss. Don't fight with your boss. Don't do those things. You know, there's some things you do. Your boss, you just laugh. He knows where he will meet you. <laughs> your, your, your file. Eh? It will stay on his desk. And he may not see anything. Yeah, again with your boss. It's well. It's well with you. It's well with your soul. And you now be praying, oh God, oh God. That's not good corresponding action. Yes. Do your work. You see, excellence pays. Even if the organization does not reward you, God will. God sees what you are doing. God sees the heart you are doing it with. Go beyond the call of duty. God sees it and he will reward it. He will reward it. Amen. Finally, number seven, deal wisely in financial affairs. Deal wisely. You can't afford to eat with your ten fingers. You can't afford to... <laughs> you see, eh? Don't say, so-and-so's children are going to that school. My children must go there. If you don't have that money, you don't have that money for that one, go to the one you have money for. Are you listening? Yeah. It's better we endure today and enjoy tomorrow. Don't let's eat today and starve tomorrow. Let's live for tomorrow. Have a saving culture. Let me tell you something. No matter how much you earn, you know, sometimes people say, eh, I can't save, I can't save. My salary is small. If it was smaller than what it is, you will still be living. Which means that you can save. It's a culture. It's a culture. Don't eat with your ten fingers. Live beneath your means. Live beneath your means. Live beneath your means. There are certain things that people buy. They don't really need to buy. Who are you trying to impress? Live within your means. And save. Have a saving culture. Have an investment culture. With investment, be spirit-led. Get good now, sometimes Spirit of God will lead you. Sometimes you don't have any leading. Check. We can develop financial intelligence about good. You know, there are just some natural principles that work. It's not every time you hear it thus said the Lord. Sometimes if God doesn't give you an express leading, either way, well, what is good wisdom, financial wisdom of what to do about it? Anything that tells you, that offers you that if you give into this thing, you will get 400% by next week. Is a lie, oh. Is MMM. You know MMM? MMM in disguise. Once it's too good to be true, usually it's not true. The only thing that's too good to be true but is true is the gospel. If it's not the gospel, <laughs> now bobo. Someone was talking to me one time about crypto. I said, hey, Elon Musk, he invested in crypto. <laughs> I told myself, I said, Elon Musk is a billionaire. He can afford to lose money. 
Don't use him as parameter that because he's doing it, you know, all those people that did it, they chop breakfast. Correct breakfast. Correct breakfast. He that makes haste to be rich will not be innocent. And I'll tell you something. Once you want quick money, hmm, you usually will make a mistake. Yes, the things that yield the most are the things that have the greatest risks. I always tell people this. Never invest money you can't afford to lose. Never invest money you can't afford to lose. It's investment. It can go south. It can go bad. You may think, I heard from God. Look, all of us, we are still learning about hearing from God. Don't go and take all your life savings, your, your house, you borrow money on everything and then you now go and invest. That's why some people just have heart attack and die. Because they lost everything. We won one decision. Money is like lending people money. Hmm? Because I don't want to wrestle with flesh and blood. Money that I can't give you, I won't lend you. Because you may not return it. And I don't want to be pursuing you. And I don't want you to, to be pursuing me. I'm praying that I die. I won't die. <laughs> it's just good wisdom. Are you listening to me? There's wisdom. Wisdom works. Wisdom produces prosperity. It does. There are good opportunities. There are good steps. Good financial dealings. Like credit. Know how to use credit wisely. Know how to use credit wisely. I hear people sometimes who say the Bible says, oh no man, nothing. So we shouldn't borrow. I don't join them to say it. The Bible says we will lend to many nations. We won't borrow. If it's a sin to borrow and we're lending, then we are, we are making people sin. And by aiding and abetting their sin, we are sinning. Jesus borrowed Peter's boat. Somebody said, but he paid him with the great catch of fish after he used the boat. So he used it on credit. Someone said, you know, hey, all these borrowing things. Elisha, by the Spirit of God, 2 Kings 4, told that woman, borrow vessels, not a few. Borrow big. Do you get my point? Just know how to use credit. That's the thing. It's not a sin to borrow. It's a sin to borrow and not pay back. Know how to use credit. Yes, God's best that you lend to many nations and you not borrow. It's not a commandment. It's a promise. God is saying you'll be so blessed that you won't need to borrow. Instead, you will have to lend out. Now, know this. Prosperity in God is not overnight. It's not overnight. It's not overnight. If you, you, you hear a message now and you believe that by tomorrow I will have hammered. I'll be a billionaire. I'll be the next Bill Gates. The next Elon Musk. The next Dangote. I want to hit it. Oh, me You know, Listen, eh? that's not how it works. It's not money that is, your eye is oju kokoro and oju kokuro. That's greed. That's covetousness. Prosperity in God is not overnight. If you are covetous and you have the love of money, you, will lie, you are liable to make foolish mistakes. Hmm? Godliness with contentment is great gain. So there's something about a place of, we're not chasing money at all. Money prosperity at all costs. Mm -mm. You, will do, you will put hand, you will do money ritual if you are not careful. Once you have that kind of mindset, you will, <laughs> what, tendy? Do you understand? Yes. What does that mean? Pardon me. 
you, you will shock it in something. <laughs> you will go into things that are not right. You will do money ritual. All those, those things are evil. But it starts from when we are in a hurry. Eh, so that I will show them. So that I will also, in the committee of friends, when we meet, the kind of car we bring, who even noticed it? Who even noticed it? You know, there are some things, once you buy them like this, eh, take them out of showroom, they've lost value immediately. Eh, don't go and be investing in those kind of things. Yes, nothing wrong with God wants us to have the good of the land. So we should have them. But let's, in some of these areas, the reason some of us aren't prospering is just foolishness. God sometimes will bring resources into our hands, but we don't always handle them rightly. And we come to pay for it. Praise God. But I know something, that in this church, the Bible speaks of us as Jesus is made unto us wisdom of God, right? We have the mind of Christ and we are led by the Spirit of God. See, if you follow the inward witness, God will make you rich. He will show us what to do with our money. He will guide us, not only in spiritual affairs, also in financial affairs. If we listen to the Spirit of God and follow His leading in life generally and also in finances specifically, He will make us rich. Amen. Heavenly Father, share what I believe you put in my heart for your people. Thank you because we mix faith with your word. And your word does us. We give you thanks for it. Maybe there's anybody here today, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. Anybody like that. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to show. This message is brought to you by Lighthouse Christian Outreach Center. The Lighthouse, House 7, Plot 2, Slash 3, Kudrata Biola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. For inquiries, please log on to www.lighthousenge.org for more.